another episode of Board Gaming with Education where we talk about board games for learning with Zenek Lucas and we chat about some very important topics like using games for teaching language and what games are more effective at doing so. We also talk about participation in an English language classroom or in a classroom as a whole and how games can help support that participation and that engagement. So be sure to stick around for this episode. Before we get into the show, I do want to share with you, if you go to BoardGamingWithEducation.com and you register an account with us right now, you will receive 500 EduGamer points. Those points you can use for your first purchase at our store as well. So that's a $5 value. That's $5 off. It's free to sign up for the EduGamer membership. All you need to do is go to BoardGamingWithEducation.com, click on the tab that says My Account, and sign up and you'll instantly get the 500 EduGamer points. You can also go to boardgamewitheducation.com backslash my dash account. And that's just one bonus you get for becoming a member. You can also leave a review once a month for a limited time to receive 500 more EduGamer points. You also receive EduGamer points for any purchases you make in our store as well. Those are just some initial benefits you'll get for becoming an EduGamer on boardgamewitheducation.com. It is a new program and we're still rolling it out so there will be more benefits in the future. So again, go to boardgamewitheducation.com and sign up. And as always, if you have any questions about the games we carry on our site or you have questions about game-based learning or gamification, you can always reach out to me, podcast at boardgamewitheducation.com. All right, let's get into the show. Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Stats. Welcome back to another episode of Board Game with Education. I'm joined by Roger today. Roger, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Dustin. So Roger and I, we're going to chat a little bit after our conversation with Zenek, and we're going to talk about a follow-up based on the conversation that Zenek and I chat about, which is board games for teaching English. So I mentioned this in our conversation. This is my background. This is Zenek's background. Roger, your background's in science, so we're going to kind of chat a little bit just about board games for teaching in general. Um, and this is something I always love talking about. So let's get into the conversation. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome to another topical episode. And this is probably my favorite topic because this was what the podcast started as, is board gaming with English and talking about board games for learning English. And it's been a while since we've really talked about this topic, and I'm super excited to be joined with Zenek Lucas here today. And he was one of the first people I collaborated with on this topic, so I'm super excited to have him on the show. Uh, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit more for our guest, Zenek? So hi, Dustin and the listeners. Thanks for having me. Um, so I'm Zdenek. I am an English teacher, a TEFL teacher, and I love board games. And uh, I also uh, use board games in my English classes. That's awesome. I, I Like I mentioned, it's something that we have talked about at length. <laughs> We've had a couple of meetings to talk about board games, and you've shared some resources you've designed for some of your games, too. And before we kind of dive into this topic, we're talking about board games for learning English. What is a board game? 
Well, that's a that's a really big question, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> for me, for me, a board game is an authentic game, authentic tabletop game that um, a native speaker would play uh, on a real table. So it's not something that would be uh, primarily used in an English class. That's that's how I understand a board game, and that's how I try to implement it in my classes. You see, because you also have got like board games which are specifically made for for ELT um, um, use, you know. So you've got these different activities, let's say, in a teacher's resource book, which sort of remind you of board games. You might have a snakes, snakes and ladders uh, game that sort of helps you practice a language point, let's say conditionals. But for me, that's not a real board game because that's not an authentic game. That's just something that was designed in order to help the teachers uh, practice that piece of language. Right. And that's, I guess, that's something now that I'm thinking this has a pretty, I guess we should really contextualize this definition of board game. At first, when we were talking about this, I was like, well, yeah, board games are just tabletop games. They could be games without cards. They can be games with dice. They can be a game without a board. They can be a game through your phone. But I think it's important where we look at something that you and I kind of focus on, and that's hobby board games or mass market games and bringing those to the classroom through designed either curriculum or lesson plans or activities and how we do that. So what, what can you give an example of a board game that's a game that's not specifically designed for English language learning that you use as an English language teaching tool? Okay, so I don't know, for instance, code names. This is something that you can use for a lot of things as an English teacher. And it really depends on what your aim is, what sort of target language you want to focus on in your lesson. And um, like it can be it can be looked at from all sorts of different angles. You know, you could just bring the game. And that's something I've done in the past as well. Just bring the game to the classroom and then just, you know, just introduce your students to the world of board gaming. And for me, this is this is really important because that that might be a way they actually fall in love with the hobby. And uh, while while they can they can pretty much improve their English uh, doing this, you know, uh, pursuing this hobby, they can make friends along the way. They can uh, find English speaking partners, and uh, that's not always an easy thing to do. There are a lot of different angles we we could approach this. Yeah, yeah. So code names would be a, a perfect example of teaching vocabulary, right? Looking at maybe a specific vocabulary lesson or just even bringing it to the classroom to use English, right? To engage students through through a game. Like for me, code names, like I said before, it could be used for different things. So uh, you could have a set of vocabulary. So you could even create your own cards, you know, uh, your own target language. Let's say you're teaching, I don't know, animals. And you could have just a lot of animals as your cards there. So that's one thing you could do it, to use it for. Then you could teach a sense relation through that. So um, obviously that would be like hyper, hypernames, you know, how the words relate, how, how, how you can find all these associations. That's what the game is about pretty much. But also for me, I can see a lot of potential in teaching um, um, what's called functional language. Now this could be language for agreeing, disagreeing, uh, interrupting because it's a team game. So you play in a team, you see, 
And uh, so I would use it even for that, which is something that might not be obvious at first sight, but uh, that as well, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I know it's been about a year now since I've taught English in a classroom. And one thing that I wish I would have done and I know I would do in the future, and you just mentioned something that helped me remember this, is when we played the game Pandemic, which is, it's not... It's, I mean, it's tough to say that because I'm, I'm I think that any board game you can bring in the classroom can be used for language learning, right? Because somehow you're interacting with the language. Some are more efficient than others. And Pandemic is a team-based game, so you're communicating with your team. You're using language like, I think we should go to uh, Miami to stop the virus or whatever. So you're you're using like place place vocabulary and but I wish I would have asked them to write down some of the phrases they used in the game or record themselves while they were playing the game and then tran or transcribe what they said in the game and then look back on that language and look back on the maybe errors they made in their speech and how to improve that for the next time playing the game because it's very iterative in the language learning process. And obviously, when you learn a language, you have to continue to use it over and over and over again until you can start to form a better understanding and better use of the language. No, absolutely. That's a good point. That's one of the things I do. So uh, for me, playing the board game itself is just the final activity, like when, when I am thinking of a lesson, a well-planned lesson around the board game. So for me, that's the final activity. And then after that would come, I say the final activity, but after them would come the feedback, right? So uh, it could be a delay, what we call delayed feedback. So I'm, as a teacher, I'm making notes as my students are playing the game. And then let's say I put a few correct and incorrect sentences on the board, and then I let the students uh, correct themselves. Or it could even be the immediate feedback when I feel like they're not using the right language. If I do it in a, in a subtle way, of course, that doesn't sort of impede, impede the enjoyment of the game, then I can just occasionally correct the students on, on the spot as well, you know? Uh, so th there are different ways to do it, definitely. and. Um, yeah, it's um, it's about the target language often for me. So I try to um, pre-teach target language. I also have to pre-teach the rules. You know, that's another subject to talk about, I suppose. Yeah, I think actually that that makes for a good podcast episode. I'm going to write that down now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we talked. I recently had a podcast episode about teaching board games, but talking about maybe uh, front-loading. The rules in board games and strategies for doing that that would be really cool but i'm wondering so i have my own anecdotal evidence in my own personal experience learning languages but i want to hear from you and then maybe i'll share mine sure is do you think someone learning a language whether it's english or spanish or chinese or korean whatever it is do you think having them show up playing a board game is a way for them to improve their language ability Right, so that's a huge question. Obviously, uh, again, there are different different points of view, different angles, different approaches, different methods, different ways uh, you may understand uh, how language is either learned or acquired. So obviously the Crescent's theory of language acquisition is the famous one, right? So um, you, 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 you sort of need to be exposed to the language, right? The I plus one, uh, the language that is... Um, comprehensible to you, you get the comprehensible input, and then um, you sort of pick it up as you go along. And this, I believe this can be very motivating and um, 
mm, it's a natural way to do it. But obviously, like that's that's like if you use it in an English classroom, that you are also expected to sort of like teach them some target language, right? The, the, I mean, them, the students. So for me, it's about two things. When I use uh, the board games in my classes, I I'm always hopeful that the students will sort of fall in love with the hobby and they start playing games even outside my classes, you know? So I also run these board game clubs where we just, we just, they just show up as you, as you said in your question, they just show up and we just play games. And I really think, and I have seen it with my own eyes, that if you do this a lot, this is, this is, this is uh, an activity that you do in English with people who speak English, it's a natural way to learn the language, just like a child would learn, you know, from their parents. Right. And again, I go back to, I don't think there's anything, there's no game that you can introduce that would hurt your language ability, right? You would still hopefully improve it. Again, it's looking at the effectiveness of it. In, yeah. in my experience, I had went to, I went to a, um, a Chinese language meetup and we played code names and another game called Bing An, which is cookie in Chinese. And I will never forget the word for cookie in Chinese because of that game. I mean, yeah. we spent, <laughs> we spent 15, 20 minutes playing one game and I learned one word. So that's not really effective, but it's still, it's still showing that sure. Yes, you could show up and it will improve your language ability. You see, because you're very motivated and it's also about you're motivated because you like, you like playing the game and you forget that you're learning. And it's also about that emotional connection that you make with uh, your opponents and teammates. And uh, you make friends. And that's very important. That's a very important aspect that mustn't be overlooked. For sure. And would you say there are any games that are better for English language learning? Do you have a, I guess, any tips for those? Yeah, absolutely. Like, while I kind of agree with what you say that any game could be used uh, for that i i also think that some games are really more suitable for that purpose uh, than others you have to have some sort of criteria you have to you're, you're looking at some criteria like how how do i pick the game i want to use so it's a lot of things right it's how long is this game going to take is it going to be a game suitable for this level that I'm teaching for the level of proficiency of the students that I'm, I'm teaching right now is uh, how many players are going to play this game? Is it easy to teach? How long is it going to take them to grasp the rules? You know, so there are so many questions you have to ask. For me, I don't like using abstract games too much. I like when there's some sort of a theme. I don't like using games that don't involve communication. So you may have games like, I like playing these games, like, for example, Exploding Kittens, I think is a wonderful game. I love, I love it. But um, when I use it in the class, the students will just end up just looking at their cards, you know, so there's a bit of, let's say, reading involved, but then they will just play the, the cards, you know, they will not say much because they don't have to. So you have to sort of use games that the game needs you to speak, right, in, in, in some way. Right, right. And I... I don't know. I'm kind of just thinking out loud here is looking at some games that maybe you don't, maybe exploding kittens would work, but I think that's kind of tough because your hand is secret and you don't want other people hearing, but maybe you could work with a partner and decide what kind of 
right. moves you might make. Right. I don't know if it would work with exploding kittens, but games like Euro games where you're, yeah. you know, you're deciding how to spend your resources or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, games where you're attacking other players, you're deciding like risk, you're deciding which, which country to go after. Mm. At least with that, you're, you're communicating with your partner, I suppose. Um, but again, it's it's the effectiveness of well, is that really the most effective way of employing a board game or learning language? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's they could be used. Don't get me wrong. Even exploding kittens, and I've used it in the past. But this is just what I've learned from my experience. Because you want to play something like code names or social deduction games or co-op games. You mentioned pandemic. If you have enough copies to, for for uh, each group, right. then it's fantastic, you know. But uh, at the end of the day, everybody should be speaking when they are playing the game, uh, not just in silence, you know. <laughs> and right. uh, I mean, depends depends on the on the angle, really. Right, and I mean, what I what I did with the pandemic, we had six players, so there were uh, single player, single player, a team of two, team of two. Does that make sense? Two, four, six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a pandemic would work very well with eight players. I think you could do pairs of teams and i mean it works i think it works even more excellent with english language learning in pairs because then uh there's some peer-to-peer teaching while you're waiting for other players to take their turns which is really good there's not a lot of downtime because if you're playing one player for each you know there's it's a four-player game if you're playing with four players a lot of times there's one player just kind of sitting there and maybe not engaging I don't know. I guess they're kind of processing the dialogue that might be happening among other players, though, too. Yeah, you know, like there's there are always some sort of pitfalls, right? You have to make sure that everybody's talking. You have to make sure that uh, everybody's involved. And uh, then you have got some games in which this doesn't have to be the case. So something to think about, really. Like I like these games like Snake Oil or Fun Employed or even Debatable. When you don't have a choice, you have to have your turn. And those games, for me, those games are fantastic. <laughs> um, so I would recommend those as well. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's funny because recently I've, I've kind of realized this. I don't know why it took me so long to realize this, but improv and things like that scare the heck out of me. Like I'm always scared to do some sort of improv stuff. But then if I play game a game like Snake Oil, like I can have a blast thinking of really clever inventions to try to sell to someone or fun employee trying to think of why my really silly qualifications are great for a job. And I don't know. I mean, obviously that, that applies to, that applies to language learning too. Students are not as scared, right? Is scared of making mistakes. They're more open to just getting out there and playing. (laughs) Yeah, but but at the same time, the the shy ones and the introverts, they're again, they are going to suffer a little bit with games like these, I guess, mm. because everybody's looking at you. All, all eyes are peeled, you know, and that's that's why the cards help you actually, because <laughs> you have right. something to something to hold on to, you know. So, but still, it can it can be a bit stressful, and you may get a little bit anxious. But that's what, that's your job as a teacher to create such atmosphere in the class and and provide this uh, healthy learning environment, you know? So I think I can make it work, but as with everything in life and in English teaching, you can never really please everyone, you know? So what I try to do is to have a variety of games so that everybody sort of 
uh, enjoys the learning process. Right. I think that's a good tip too, is that yes, there are games that are effective for teaching, but then there are also these games that are effective that are also more appealing to other students. And then other games might be more appealing to other students still. So do you have any other tips you might share with someone that is an English language teacher and they're thinking about using board games in class? Yeah, so like so, so um, you might have a curriculum that you're following and let's say there is a grammar point in that curriculum. So if you if you can think of, I assume that you would be a language teacher that knows board games or is passionate about board games. And um, well, you could try to think of ways you could use a particular board game. Like it, you have to ask yourself this question, is this board game going to use that target language that I'm teaching right now? For example, a huge one for me is um, modal verbs for deduction, because obviously the social deduction games and the werewolf games and whatnot, that's uh, where this would shine. So you might teach something like, it must have been Tom, or uh, I think uh, Peter could be a werewolf. You know, so that's like, these games are amazing for for teaching this kind of language. And then you could you could uh, link it to the the Lexis, you know, to the vocabulary that you are currently teaching, like we have already mentioned code names, or even your your favorite game, uh, where words, you know, I know you're very fond of this game. <laughs> right. I love it myself. And then also there might be some sort of thematic link. That's what I sometimes like to do. We, we gave an example of snake oil. So I don't know, you might be teaching Mm, giving giving presentations or sales sales pitch something like that business when you teach business English and then uh, that's that's a like a it's a theme at uh, mm, not sure if this is the best example but I think you could yeah you could link it uh, thematically I'm trying to think snake oil you could probably create some sort of constraints on top of what the game's already asking you to do that tie into your learning outcomes maybe you ask them to in their pitch they have to use these specific grammar structures and if they do that they get a bonus point or something like that too exactly and what you know what i like doing when when this is the case i like um, preparing um some sort of a checklist for my students with all all that target language so uh, it's like a little table and whenever they use that target language they would make a tick that's actually a that's actually a tip I was given by my Delta teach Delta tutor. So <laughs> it's it's really a great way to make sure like there is some sort of proof, evidence of of uh, the students learning. You know, right? And they're really really using that target language, right? And they're they're processing that on their own too, right? They're yeah. self directing yeah. their own learning, which is really exactly. awesome too. And it's very motivating, you know, because they they have used it. You know, they have. They have managed to use it. It's that they get this self, this sense of achievement. That's that's why I love board games because it's like when you read your first book in English, you know, that's that's a massive moment in your in your learning. That's when you realize, oh, this actually all makes sense. Suddenly, I'm <laughs> I'm really using the language that I've been learning at school, and it, there's a reason for it, you know. Or when you listen to the radio, you listen to a song. And suddenly you, it starts sort of clicking, you know, you, you, you can make out the words. And that's that's very important moment in your learning, you know, because we all need to get 
to to stay motivated and no matter what level it is you know so that's why board games are so so great because once you finish playing that game you are, you can say to yourself well done i'm going to give myself a pat on the on the back because i've played a board game something that native speak native speakers would play right very very rewarding and you kind of give me a flashback to i think the last time i felt that way about language was spanish in university when i when i was able to write like a letter that was mm-hmm. fairly advanced i think for for language abilities concerned yeah i haven't been able to feel that way with language learning in a while i mean when i use chinese it's very much day to day so i was pretty excited when i was able to always be able to order coffee and no matter like what kind of thing was thrown at me i could figure mm-hmm. out my way through it <laughs> <laughs> awesome so before we head into our game is there anything else you want to share or any last words of advice you might give to a teacher that wants to use board games for learning I would just say, don't be afraid, you know, don't be afraid. There are ways to do it. And um, because I know like, I've, like when I worked in London, I had a lot of colleagues who really liked games, but they sort of shied away from some of the games that I had there because they just didn't know the rules or they were not comfortable teaching the game. So they didn't know how, but there are always ways to do it. And your students will appreciate it because it's, you know, board games are fun. So. Right. And I think that's super, super key is your students will appreciate it. And even if it's something that you don't like plan a whole lot on, it's fine. If you have that extra like lesson that you can kind of do something different with, try it out and next time it'll go a lot better. Exactly. And I think the students will even forgive you like if if it's not perfect, you know, and you will learn. You will learn from your mistakes, obviously. And then next time you'll do it better, yeah? Right. So, Zenek, stick around. We're going to play a game. Really excited for this game. But before that, I want to have a chat with Roger. We're going to talk about a bit more about using board games to learn language. And then we're going to play our game. All right, and we're back. So, Roger... What did you think? What were some things that maybe stood out initially based on the conversation that Zenek and I had? I, I think the kind of the gist that I got from, you know, listening to you guys uh, talking about that was um, I think it was the kind of that underlying thing that there, you, there's some thought process involved, right, in in using a game in an educational sense that you just don't you know, come in willy nilly and go, Oh, you know, this has got some interesting content in it. And to be quite honest, when I first started doing that, that was kind of my response to where you were just like, Oh, I think I can do something with this. And then maybe you need to put a little more thought process into, you know, really what are the students going to get out of it? Now on the other side of that, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either, where you can just throw it out there. And I found sometimes that worked really well for me. Because then you would get these really interesting outcomes that the students would have, like, oh, they interpreted it, something from it this way. I didn't even think about that. And so I tried to turn those into positive learning experiences, you know, that sometimes spont- spontaneity w- was totally fine. But, you know, it, it, there's a balance there. They, 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 this, yeah, it's got to make sense that you, that the, you do have some learning goals and outcomes that you 
definitely want the students to get. And if they got something else that you were not intending to, you're like, Ugh. sometimes I think we can tend to think like that's a negative, but in some senses that's not. But then maybe you have to refocus the thing and you could acknowledge that with the students like, oh, this is really cool. You guys got this from it. But this is what I was kind of going for, right? You know, and kind of maybe redirect them a little bit, but not, to me, it was always a balance that you didn't, I never wanted to, um, you know, frown upon a student getting some, getting a piece of information or an understanding of something that that might, that, 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 it, that was not potentially beneficial to them. Right. And yeah. And no, then mentions looking at games and looking at the target language that are used in games. So going back to what you said is, yeah, there's this game and it has some content here that can be used, but we have to be uh, conscious about how we integrate that as part of our teaching. And I mean, we do that as teachers anyways, right? We have mo most, if not all schools, definitely in the US, I would say, have a lesson plan that you have to develop and you have to tie it into certain learning standards or targeted learning outcomes, uh, depending on, I guess, the school district and how that's kind of applied. Another thing that Zenek had brought up, which I thought was pretty cool, and I would love to hear your, uh, I guess, opinion on this. I like it as a language teacher because as a language teacher, if you want to improve your language, you have to practice your language. You have to talk in class. You have to participate in class. Most language teachers use some form of participation encouragement, whether that's a grade-based system or other ways to engage students. And one thing that Zenek had talked about are these games like Snake Oil, Debatable, and Fun Employed, where you have to take your turn. You have to, in Snake Oil, you have to take your turn and you have to sell your product. In Fun Employed, you have to interview for a position. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that aspect of using games to force students to participate. Right. Um, well, you, you, I think both of you gave, came at it from both kind of perspectives. I think you, Dustin, you came at it more of like, you know, more of an outgoing, don't mind participating in front of others kind of point of view and like, oh, I don't see the big deal, you know, here, you know, doing that. But then Zednik pointed out, well, what about the student that is a little more withdrawn and doesn't want to do that, that you, you then now you put him in an potentially in an uncomfortable position, right? So I think it's maybe more trying to strike a balance, like a game like that, like Snake Oil, for example, um, because you, you want them to participate and they have to, but then you might have some students that are not going to be comfortable speaking in front of others. It's just the way they are. And that the fear there is that you're, they're going to shut down and not want to participate, right? So given those students another opportunity to express it maybe in a different way, like you give an option, I mean, maybe they could write it down. You know, like I said, I don't know exactly what it might be. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that is the, something you got to think about when you're doing these games, you're like, Oh, this is really cool. You know, the kids are really going to like that. Well, yeah, you're, there are going to be students that are going to totally engage in that, but then you have other ones that they may not respond to that. Like it might be more of a negative experience for them, but you, but the point is, is that you, the whole issue there is you're, you have to participate in it 
it's kind of doing a little forcing, but then that, that could be very beneficial in learning language. Right. Right. I think one thing, I mean, I guess I have two points for, for my instruction. I almost always when in the past when I've taught English in a classroom, I've used a participation score and it wasn't always evaluated based on whether they spoke in class. Um, it was based on kind of engagement and were they completing the activities in class. But then I also want to make sure I allow for a different space for students who are not speaking. I want to make sure they practice their speaking in some way because that's, you know, that's one of the four things with language speaking. Um, but then I also like games because they are able to hopefully initially encourage a level of comfort in your classroom and then hopefully those students that are less likely to open up will be opening up with games because in games you're, you're able to especially the games that Zenek mentioned like snake oil fun and play these are very silly games and when you see other people your peers being silly with the games I think it gives you a certain level of comfort to kind of do the same mm-hmm yeah, that's true. Yeah, kind of like the peer, I don't know, peer pressure kind of idea, right? That like, oh, everybody else is having fun. Maybe I ought to too. Right. You know? Or, But then even, like I said, even that you're still going to have students, it's never going to work perfect that regardless, that may not have any bearing to them at all. They're just like, I don't like that. It's just way too uncomfortable mm. for me. Um, and be honest with you, I'm probably more, in that camp a little bit because I was a more of a lot, lot more shy, quiet, reserved person. I, I kind of am, you know, funny that I was a teacher, but you know, it's just like funny when I got out of the classroom, I was like real quiet. You know, I was, you know, obviously you wouldn't know it maybe while I was, you know, in the classroom in front of students and stuff that like I was comfortable in that con in that situation. And that I just, you know, you got comfortable over time because you enjoyed it, but, but, you know, when I stepped away from the stage, it's like, nope. Yeah. Super quiet, not as talkative, um, you know. Right. Not, 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 you know, very more introverted person and not so much an extroverted person. Right. Yeah, that's funny. We're both podcasting and both educators and I'm similar. <laughs> I'm very much a, a quiet person and more introverted. I, I mean, like things like this, certain aspects I like to... Uh, be more extroverted and that would be teaching and podcasting or doing uh, board games for learning I think because uh, again going back to I enjoy it and I really support the mission of kind of encouraging board games for learning let's move into our game we're gonna play five second rule so have you played this game before Roger I don't remember if I played this one or not. So this is, Maybe. it's a great quick game. It's something that this past year, I guess last spring, last spring, uh, one of our teachers at the school I was at had done this virtually and it worked really well. Um, but essentially I give you a category and you have to name three things in that category within five seconds. So I might say animals and you have five seconds to name three animals. All right, so you would have got it. Perfect. Um, so I have some categories. Zenek already played this game, so what's going to happen is you're going to play and you're going to score a certain number of points, and then 
you'll be compared to what Zenix score is. All right. So, do you see the 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 timer there at the top? Okay. Yep. Okay. I'm just, I'm not gonna watch the clock. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna wing it as you say. Otherwise, it, I don't think I'm gonna respond <laughs> okay. as well. We'll do. Okay. And this is this is your okay. timer. So I'm gonna do the bell when your time's up. So we're gonna start at the twenty. Things you find in water. Uh, boats. <laughs> That's too hard, man. It's not, it's not enough time. It's, it's pretty, like, uh, it's pretty yeah, tough. It I was kind of surprised. Uh, things you do. Oh, sorry. We're going to start at the 40. Things you do when you wake up. Um, drink. Gosh, no, I can't. <laughs> And then all of a sudden it's coming to me, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a whole bunch yeah, of stuff. After, yeah, it's like, after. yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, okay, you get one and that's about it. I, I think that's all I'm going to be getting in most of these. <laughs> you might get some. So uh, we'll start at the we'll start at the 10. So four seconds. Things at the beach. Sand, sun, water. Got that one. We'll start at the 20. Different types of vehicles. Truck, car, motorcycle. Ooh. <laughs> uh, start at the 30. Places to shop. Uh, game stores. <laughs> That's the only one that matters. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, no, no food or anything. That doesn't matter. Heck yeah. that. <laughs> All right, we'll start at the 50. Christmas decorations. Tree lights, candy canes. Got it. I'm, I kind of rang that early after you got the third one, but you still got it. You had two seconds yeah, to spare wow, there. Okay. We'll start at the 1310. Animals. Monkey, alligator, spider. <laughs> went back to that one. <laughs> I won't tell yeah. Zenic that was a practice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, God, that was too I easy. I didn't realize that was a practice. Was a... So... I'll have to look back at Zenix and let you know if you beat him or not. I think you got two. I think you might have gotten three or four. I don't know. All right, so it sounds like Roger got two for sure. That last one we used as a practice for the game. So we might give him half a point or a quarter of a point there. I don't know. Maybe you decide as the listener. Do you think Roger deserves a point there? And let's hear how Zenix did. Um, now let me pull up the categories. All right. We're going to go on three, two, one. Things you find in water. Uh, amoeba, um, stones, um, wheat. Things you do when you wake up. Brush my teeth, um, put on clothes, wake, uh, get up. Things at the beach. Um, Volleyball, um, sand. Oh my god! <laughs> Places to shop. Uh, supermarket, shopping mall, uh, stand. Christmas decorations. <sighs> Mistletoe, uh, Christmas tree. Uh, I don't know. Lights. <laughs> Animals. Uh, dog, cat, um, hawk. All right, <laughs> that's all of them. <laughs> So I think you got maybe two or three. I'm going to have to go back and listen to see. Oh. 
and it looks like Zenit got two. So I'm going to leave that up to the listeners. What do you guys think? Should Rogers' bonus point count, or should it end in a tie? And I should make another confession. Zenit did have a practice couple rounds too, but I didn't use the same categories for him. So I don't know. You you can decide as the listener who wins that round. All right, Zenek, thank you again for coming on the show. And if anyone wanted to reach out to you, where might they find you? Or do you have anything special you're working on? So uh, you can find me on teachersdenek.com. This is where I also have got um, icons, which um, you can click and it will take you to my different social media platforms. So I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook. And uh, the thing that I could sort of (laughs) promote myself in here is that I have this course for English learners called English Through Board Games. So uh, that's something you can also find on my website. And I also have got an English podcast, but that's not related to uh, board games as such. It's called Zdenex English Podcast. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I definitely, I'm, I'm jealous that you're teaching uh, English class through board games explicitly. So that's super cool. Uh, thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Dustin. It was a pleasure. Thanks. All right, Roger. Thank you again for coming on the show. We'll be back with you hopefully again soon. If anybody wanted to reach out to you, where might they do that? Um, I think the email for us uh, for working with you is probably the better. Roger at uh, boardgamingwitheducation.com is uh, probably the best way to reach out to me, I think. I mean, I got some Twitter stuff and whatever, but uh, I think I've got a um, R more at Evolving More, my Twitter account. That's my, that one. I've got a couple others, but that's that one's probably better as far as this stuff goes. Awesome. And I'll have your email in the Twitter and the show notes. And also, you can always come say hi to Roger and I. We're pretty active in our Facebook group, yep. Game Based Learning, Gamification, and Games in Education. Um, it's also just facebook.com backslash groups backslash learning with games is the quick url so roger thank you again and we'll be back again soon okay thanks for having me on dustin
Thank you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games, or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time.